welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, this is the 250th time we're uh, getting on here to do this. Can you can you believe we made it to 250 episodes of this? No. Um, I would have thought one of those college football playoff discussions would have probably ended it um, by now. <laughs> but somehow we've survived. To watch. Your refusal to watch movies that I recommend. That was always my uh, my go-to. I, I still haven't watched Hamilton. Yep, still haven't watched Hamilton. <laughs> That's true. But I don't see any better way to, to celebrate uh, episode 250 of the Xworks podcast than to talk about our Yak Cup that uh, went to Wilson Memorial for the second year in a row here. And to highlight that, uh, we have Coach Kyle Congleton of the girls' soccer team that just had the best uh, of all the spring seasons of all the spring sports in the area, making it all the way to the state semifinal coach. Thanks for coming on with us to talk about uh green Hornet girls soccer. Yeah. Well, obviously 250, that is quite, quite impressive, but thank you guys very much for, uh, for inviting me. It's, it's really a pleasure to be able to, to chat with you about Wilson soccer. So. Well, let's talk about the girls, just an amazing run the whole way. And, you know, we, tried to follow along best we could as the season went on and kept, you know, seeing the results. Y- y'all never lost all the way through the regular season, through district, through regions, and, uh, you know, came up one game short of making it to the state final game, losing there in the state semifinal. Uh, just an incredible run. Uh, you know, just what stuck out to you with this season and, and what what led to this success with this group of girls? You know, it's interesting because I what I say might – seemed to be pretty standard what every coach would want to say anyways but it really was just the girls themselves and the team um we're just as a little bit of history too i mean we only lost so in the 22 season uh we lost only one senior so we brought back you know everybody and then we were able to add um one additional player i think it was all yep and uh it was so for us, it was really just a, a consistency thing. We were able to kind of learn from what we did last year. We brought it into the season. Uh, we, the girls, it was, and I'm not making this up. My last year, it was the best season that I ever had with a group of young people collectively. I mean, they just supported one another. We, we, we pushed them hard in training. They eventually took it on themselves. We had good captains, good leadership, and they pushed the team. And the training really made a difference, I think, last year and this year to just being competitive at every moment that you possibly could. Of course, you have your down times where, you know, some players are off or you got exams or you got people that are sick or we were lucky we avoided the major injury um, in both years. We haven't had significant injuries. We did have one ACL early in 22 and she was still kind of returning back to play uh, this year but looks to be great for next year. Um, we did have one ankle uh, injury this year, but when you're talking only two limited injuries, really, uh, that affected play, we might've had a concussion, but it was in times where we were spring break, for example, we had time to recover and give the players some breaks. So we were just really, really, uh, you know, I hate to say lucky, but we, we do a lot in the off season to be able to, hopefully reduce the risk of injury but just that group of players together was it was it was just a great experience so and so with this team and i know you had told us in emails 
before our interview here that to line it up that you had listened some in the season and I'm sure you heard someone uh, that was foolish on this podcast say, oh, I don't know, you know, the re- that region's really tough and they've done well in the district, but I don't know, the Shenandoah district's not looking that good to me. And um, then you went out and won the region. Um, talk about, it. did the Shenandoah district, did I not give it enough credit? Was the Shenandoah district really something that helped you guys prepare for that region tournament? Or did you feel more, maybe the non-district matchups with TA and teams like that helped more? I think, you know, I think that what you see in Shenandoah district um, is you've got a number of teams that are teams that are going to go 80 minutes against you. Now they may not play soccer the the way that everybody thinks it should be played. We may, they may play a little more kick and run, um, you know, but I'll tell you Riverheads draft um, Fort, uh, you know, Eric Walker, Bridget, and, uh, and Rachel did a nice job with the programs that they've had, Windsor at Stanton. So when we play them, honestly, my change of philosophy, we did a couple of different things this year that stood out. We did change formations early on in the season. So historically, we play a 4-3-3, um, you know, so that we could, because of the types of players we have. But this year, I looked at our, our, our players and we looked like we were strong more midfield wise. So I said, well, last year when we played um, LCA and when we played out of region, we struggled a little bit in the midfield. We weren't able to control the ball in the midfield as much as we wanted. So we talked to the players um, and we said, hey, we're going to go to a 4-4-2 and not just a 4-4-2, but we're going to put you in the hardest 4-4-2. We're going to use a diamond shape which is a really challenging formation to coach, especially in the short term that you got, because literally for high school, you know, we're talking, we start February, third week of February, you got tryouts. And then 10 days later, you're probably playing your first out of season game or or something close to that, maybe two weeks if you're lucky. And, uh, but we did, and the girls embraced it. And I'll tell you for the, so for the first half of the season, all the way up through Waynesboro, that Waynesboro game, um, at their place made me realize that you know, we probably need to change the way that we're, we're playing the second half of the season. We did okay. Of course, we were still undefeated, hadn't lost, but that draw against them was kind of a wake-up call for me anyways. And, and actually the captains and I talked about it and, and we just said, my gosh, we were lucky. <laughs> we got out of there fairly lucky. You know, uh, Keegan hit the crossbar off of a fingertip save from Kayla. The ball was bouncing around. It could have gone, you know, anyway, both times. I mean, both shots, both teams had low shots, but they probably had more quality opportunities than we did. And, and at that point, I said, well, let's, as we look, approach the second half, let's mix it up a little bit. And we did. We shifted to a 4-3-3. Um, and we started scoring more goals. Uh, not surprising. You know, you're going with three forwards, vice two. Um, and, but it just, the mixture of it, it did allow us to play Carly Pillar. Of course, Carly was a, a captain and an extraordinary young woman and a good player. Bridgewater's getting a, a quality player up there. Um, but moving Carly around allowed us a little bit more, um, creativity in the attacking part of the field, which we were kind of lacking in the first half of the season. And, uh, so I think that helped us in the second run. And I think we caught a number of defenses off guard um, with the three forwards. And then we also push our 10 high 
our attacking midfielder goes high as well. So she was, you know, and we moved those players around. And that's the other thing. We had a pretty strong bench. Uh, we could rotate. We had 19 on our roster. So I could rest players with maybe other teams that don't have as large a roster. Um, and that, 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 I think, aids both in recovery. It allows us to minimize probably risk of injuries. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And the schedule itself, you know, you talk about Wilson sports overall. I mean, Mr. Fresher, Craig Flesher has helped us out a great deal. It wasn't easy coming in six years ago trying to teach him about soccer, you know, when he's a baseball guy and, and saying, hey, it's not the same. You know, you might be able to have a different pitcher. I can't have 22 different players go out and have the same impact. And so we talked a lot about scheduling. Um, and I still think high school soccer has got some challenges in the scheduling. You know, you've got teams that are playing three at, three games in a week. I mean, that's just – and plus you got exams and you got other things, prom and other social stuff that these kids are having to do. Uh, it, it's a challenge. So two games in a week is is, is tough. I'd, I'd really like to see us go one game a week and, and maybe – play each team once, you know, every other season or something. That's probably pretty extraordinary. And people listening to this might not agree, but I think if you're really looking at quality soccer and making sure that you got your, your best players healthy and, and you're reducing the risk of injury, that's probably the best, uh, best option for it. But. That's, that's an interesting thing. I, I haven't heard about uh, ideas for that for soccer. That's, that's really interesting. That's probably something we'll, come back to you on the podcast at some point because that that's an interesting approach uh, getting back to this team you know you, you've done well in the districts and, and we and we beat on that talk about that run in the playoffs and, and and how regions came together and and winning the state game and the excitement that came from you know advancing in the state playoffs well it kind of to be very frank it snuck up on me it didn't sneak up on the players or craig but it snuck up on me a little bit. I, um, you come out of it, and you know you're six zero and two middle of the season, and then you're seven zero and two, and you know, and it goes on and it goes on. The one thing that I do personally, and I've always done this, is I focus on the next game, because on any given day, it doesn't matter. You could you could lose. You could be an own goal that sets the difference. You know, whatever the case may be. So I just focused, and I spent a lot of time just focusing on. What are we doing in preparation for the next game? Whether it was making sure that we had a recovery session. We actually put the girls into, we did a recovery session in a pool, you know, kind of introduced them to different things to try and just one, keep it light, right? Because it can be a draw. You're 16 weeks of, you know, 21, 22 games. If you're lucky, we went 21 games. Um, some of these teams are playing even a little bit more, I noticed, than we did, um, you know, but. Um, we ended up playing 21 and you try to mix it up, but uh, this, that run. So when it, when it happened, it was like, Craig sends me the email. It says, Hey, you know, you're number one in the region. And I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, <laughs> but when, uh, when it, then of course, when the whole region comes out and all of the seating is set and it's one through 10, I mean, you, you see that. And, and Joe, I think you guys realize that, the, the Jefferson district, you know, in the Valley district, I mean, you could be, their best teams could be middle of the pack. And, um, you know, so you just, you just don't know. 
And honestly, we, we really got a good draw. Um, you know, having, had we gone in number two with Waynesboro, like Waynesboro did against Charlottesville, you know, I don't know if it would have been different. Um, of course, we would still been at home. I think we were, I think we were up for it. Um, our first one with, uh, was it Brookville? Um, they gave us a tough go, which was, was interesting. Um, we gave, you know, it was a one zero, I believe was the final for that. And, um, you know, it was a score, a center back ends up scoring off of a corner kick, which was awesome for her. Scores a game winning goal, uh, CC Robinson, the sophomore. And, you know, then it just happens. You, so you have Brookville and then you go to the next one and then you go to the next one and it, it just keeps happening. Um, and then when all of a sudden, you know, though you, you get to the TA and, and I listened to your podcast and it was so funny because somebody, somebody was calling TA and all right, you should. John, John McClure is an awesome coach, great guy. He and I are friends and, and, uh, he is a, in my opinion, I don't know if he would claim himself, but I'm also very defensive minded. You know, so we focus a great deal on not just our back line, but also defensive midfielders responsibility. How does everybody transition to defense and all those kind of things? And, and John is similar to that. And when we played them both games, it was, of course, we played them our first game and it went 0-0 in, in double overtime. Um, and John and I were, were kind of laughing. And then we go up that way and literally we score six seconds left, we score. Um, and I would say that that's kind of the team. That's the training mentality, though. You compete constant until all 80 minutes, until the whistles are done. And the girls did. Now, there's some level of fitness, obviously, that you got to make sure happens. But, you know, when we came out against TA, you know, I read his uh, his interview with the newspaper, and I agree with him. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't reflective of their performance. I mean, we just we – just, got on fire i mean the last couple of minutes man it was bam 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 and it's like holy crap it's already four one you know and um it was it, it was you know surprising to me as well so i think you called it right i would have but um i think it was just our time the girls were pumped they were ready we were a little healthier probably than he was i know that he had some injuries um that he was having to process well and then you get to Charlottesville. Um, knew a little bit about Charlottesville. Had watched them play. I thought that we could compete with them. Uh, I did. I was concerned about the midfield. Uh, I thought the, uh, on the attacking third, I thought we would be okay. Uh, they've got a really good center back, number twenty-two, uh, Alyssa, I think was her name. Um, good kid, you know, hard worker. And, uh, but, you know, we were able to kind of get a little bit more creative. And interestingly enough, we had been practicing the, the exact move, uh, the attack seeking, attacking sequence that we scored on, where our outside back gets a, comes forward and it plays off of the forward and continues to run down the line. And it just so happened, normally we will look for either a cross or we'll look to lay it off to the 18. In this particular case, there was somebody at the 18, but Natalie Zimmerman just cuts it back, beats the defender, gets another step on her and just kicks the ball into the back of the goal. I mean, that, and the goalkeeper just missed. I mean, she was, she was where she should have been, but she jumped just probably a little bit late. Um, so it was nice to see. Um, then what we realized is, through the half, we were managing time. We were managing things okay. 
Uh, I thought we were possessing the ball. They probably were better possession, but at that point in time, I was saying, okay, are we going to get a second? Do we stand a chance or should we just kind of sit back? And our girls don't like to sit back. <laughs> so, so for me going into halftime, um, it really wasn't a, it wasn't a choice. You know, they said, no, let's go for it. And we just kept putting pressure on and, and I don't know what the particular shots was, but we, we managed that game really well against a very good team. I mean, Charlottesville went up, um, you know, and, and beat William Byrd soundly and beat Waynesboro 3-0. I mean, they were, they were really playing well. Um, and then of course they met up with, uh, was it Breck, Brooksville or Brentsville? Yeah. Brentsville. And, uh, and that's just a solid team. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched that final game, but those, those girls are, they were, they were fun to watch. I watched the final between them and Lafayette and then talked to the coaches afterwards, but you know, so Charlottesville was a quality side and, and for us to win the region, that was the moment that I said, wow, this is, this is cool. First time in program history. You know, yeah. we, I think the team had been, to like a state semifinal, but they had been as a second seed. And then they ended up losing to the old George Mason, which is now Meridian. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it was fun. I, I felt that was probably the game that I was like, this is just cool. It's just great to be a part of, you know, the girls have done a wonderful job. They responded well and the fans were awesome. Um, there's video. I have video of when we played, uh, Charlottesville, and then uh, Magna Vista and the fans were just absolutely incredible. I mean, we score a goal and the whole place goes wild. And, and how many fans do we typically have you know, at a girls soccer game? Yeah, sure. You know, and now you got hundreds of people out there and the girls thought it was great, you know, so that, that experience in itself was cool. Yeah. And that's, that's great to hear. I, that's always something that stands out when we talk to coaches and talk to players from teams that go on these state runs is always that growing support throughout the season. Um, and that's that's great to hear uh, you you comment about that. You know, let's talk about some of these girls specifically. I know you have, um, you know, you had good senior leadership, but also a lot of underclassmen that uh, helped you greatly this year. But you also must be looking forward to uh, seeing hopefully coming back out on the pitch next year. Yeah, we're we're going to be good. Um, I spend a great deal of time uh, getting to know young kids, and I work with local clubs um, down here. I work with Augusta United. Uh, now working with SVU a little bit on there. So I might be developing spots with a TA, you know, but um, it, it, it makes you better. You know, yeah. it, you've got to get better in order to, you know, to meet the demand. Um, and uh, so for the youngsters that we had coming up, so we probably started consistently three seniors um, out of the six that were losing then we had uh, six juniors, but I had seven sophomores. And then on the Jays, I had another six sophomores, no freshmen. And then we had uh, nine eighth graders, you know, and then in the seventh grade, I got probably four, four or five travel players. And that's not just the other kids that you try to pull up as athletic, you know, get some athletes in there in the mix. And then I, I know that I've got some sixth graders and then fifth graders. I, I'm already got my eyes on them. So I think, you know, it, it is, it's exciting to see where the program will continue because that's one thing that we hope is we can just continue to be consistent. 
are we going to make another state semifinal? You know, God, it would be awesome uh, to be able to do something like that. Um, we'd be blessed to be able to experience that again in my time. But, um, you know, being competitive, being the team that, you know, we go in with a specific goals for our season and each game, and we're doing it over and over and over again. Um, and we're having a good time, and these kids are leaving with our program with good memories. Alumni that came back over the over the thought over the period the, uh, the the state run was was awesome. I mean, you know, girls coming across, bringing us cookies and hugs, and and we do a couple of different things with the alumni. Uh, I don't know if this, if you're interested in this, but reality is that when our seniors graduate, we always have them write letters to the uh, to the class, so they'll. After their first semester, they'll write letters to the oncoming, the upcoming seniors, and um, you know to kind of help. Looking forward to what they've got to transition to as they enter college, you know, hey, this is great, and I'm constantly getting notes and emails, and I'm friends and stuff with with uh, the alumni. So we we try to really focus on that experience as well. No, that seems like a great great tactic in terms of, you know, keeping the connection between your alumni and the current squad, and then also helping prepare them as humans, which of course is a high school coach is, is one of the jobs that I think goes unnoticed a lot uh, with high school coaches. We, you know, Leland and I are guilty of this occasionally of, you know, especially during Friday nights on the radio, we're so focused on the wins and losses that there is the other side of the job where it's okay. Wins and losses is important, but it's also about developing these young men or young women, depending on the sport, to be better prepared for life ahead? Well, yeah, and I've, I learned a little while ago, so I've been with the program now six years, and then was with the boys for, I think, four. But when I came into this program, um, one of the things that I really wanted to do was emphasize that, um, you know, lifelong health, you know, be active, we knew that the statistics that the kids that participate in organized sports, they're falling out at 13 females fall out at a faster rate than males. But we also know that those that make it through are much more successful, happier in life, you know, so on and so forth. So I really tried to bring that out in the program. And I've had some really good assistant coaches, Allison Snyder, Carrie Dietz, um, and they understood what we were trying to do. And, you know, we focus, we have values. If you ask any girl on the, from, from JV on up eighth grade to 12th grade, ask them, hey, what are your values at Wilson Memorial High School Girls Soccer? And they'll tell you attitude, effort, and teamwork. Well, why is that? Well, because we can control those things, right? We decide what kind of attitude we had. How hard are we going to work? Are we going to be a good teammate today on and off the field? Uh, we've been recognized four years by the United Soccer Coaches Association for Academics. You know, our average GPA this year is a 3.98. Um, you know, I get to go to National Honor Society inductions and graduations, and, and we try to attend music and plays and other things that the kids are doing because it's not just about soccer. Um, and it was great also having their, we have multi-sport athletes like Coach Grove from uh, volleyball uh, came out and watched a couple of the girls that play volleyball, Haley Flint, Amber Casey play volleyball, and uh, Bree Kindig on a JV squad and uh, Maggie Parrott. So it was kind of, it's kind of nice to have that culture and that support. And, and of course, Craig, when you talk about the Wilson piece, that really is important, I think. And I mean, Craig encourages that amongst all of us. You know, we'll all catch a basketball game or a volleyball game. You can't go to every single one of them, of course, but 
you really try to be there for the kids and just to let them know, hey, we support you. You know, you're out there knocking it out. You know, and it's tough being a being a high school athlete nowadays is not like it was when I was going through school. You know, um, they've got a lot of, of competition, whether it's a job or whether it's club sports. I mean, you know, um, you got to deal with that too. I mean, soccer. I've got a couple of girls that are playing girls academy over in Charlottesville, and they're playing games outside. You know, uh, while we're in season, and you kind of you got to balance that. You know, but it's it's worth it. I mean, it's been fun. This of course. Well, well, you nailed uh, kind of my transition talking about the overall view there of the school and, and the support that obviously you, the different coaches give um, not only to you, to the soccer team, but you uh, helping uh, support the other programs. So that's that's great. And that explains why for the second year in a row, we're talking about Wilson uh, being on top of this Yak Cup standings. But uh, I can't help but uh, notice that you're wearing that U.S. soccer shirt right there. And even before we started recording, you know, Joe's already chirping about the U.S. soccer team. And uh, so I'm just going to bring the, the hottest topic out there. You know, what about the on the on the men's side? Uh, what about this uh, naming of the of the head coach there? What, what's your thoughts? We've heard Joe's yeah, last word. What are your thoughts? You're going to embarrass me because really I'm not, I'm not all that knowledgeable of the men's game. I okay. spend a whole lot of time with the women. Great. Um, yeah. I like that team better, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I uh, to be honest. I like where the men's program is going. Finally, I, I'm part of a group of people, probably millions of people, but they send me, uh, U.S. Soccer sends me uh, surveys. And, you know, how do you, how do you support the men's program? How do you support the women? What can we do? To, and, and I really, over the last six months, have been starting to pay more attention to the men's program. You know, I spent a lot of time with the women for a couple of reasons. One, obviously I coach high school girls and I, and I like to, to be able to communicate to them and convey to them, Hey, watch this game. But also my son is uh, a high performance coach, uh, sports science for the Gotham FC, the women's professional team up in Jersey. Yeah, wow. So Phil, you know, we follow them as well. And now it's much easier for me to focus on the women <laughs> and yeah. I work a job and I, so I don't have a whole lot of time. And I want to keep my marriage. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Although Deborah watches soccer with me, but I think if I had to do the men and the women, that might be yeah. Good. So, so um, the women's World Cup is this year, though. So, what, what's your thoughts looking at that then? Very exciting. I, I think we're going to be challenged. I I think Ooh. that the world is starting to figure it out. Uh, we have historically been perceived have been a physical team. Um, I like the way that the women's program is going. You're getting much better soccer players and tacticians. It's a much more planned, and, and again, I'm just a high school soccer coach with a national C license, so what do I know? But just what I like seeing, and um, the women are incredibly supportive of each other. Um, I think the men are figuring that the value of that out. Um, I think that you see it if you're coaching girls. You know, One of the things that I enjoy coaching is the girls see the game slightly different um, but man, just as competitive, they'll go at you hard. Like if I play with them, which I, I can still try to keep up, they're getting pretty good, but, uh, you know, they'll come at you and they play just as hard as the guys. It just looks different, you sure. know, and, uh, the girls, the women that for this year, I think there's some really good countries out there that are going to challenge us. Uh, England will be interesting to watch. Uh, Canada is going to be interesting. I think Sinclair is probably 
on the downside. She might not want to hear that, but um, but they've got some youngsters that are, are up and coming. Um, but I think, you know, it was nice to see, quite frankly, uh, Lynn Williams, who plays at Gotham. So I know I know of Lynn. Um, you got Midge Purse, which didn't make it, which was too bad because of an injury. But then you got Kelly O'Hara up there. Um, you got Christy Mewis. Um, you know, so you got some of these players that have been like, I think Kelly was in her fourth World Cup. And then you got youngsters like Sophia Smith and you got, you know, unfortunately, Mal Pugh is going to miss out. But you get some of these youngsters that are coming up and that, mer that is going to help continue the the strength of the American, you know, the United States. But we are going to be faced, I think, with some pretty competitive teams this year. Um, It'll be exciting to watch. Of course, the schedule just is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> three AM matches. Yeah, yeah, that other side of the earth uh, schedule but, hasn't. It's been tough in Olympics and other World Cups. We're going to see it on this one too. But I, I yeah. think you're exactly right. You know, we, it used to be you could pencil us in to get deep into that tournament, and now you're you're kind of like, all right, well, we'll see who comes out of the other groups and where they stack up into that knockout stage. Because, I mean, you mentioned England. That's a country that has recently really invested in their women's national team, and it's starting to show they're getting a lot better. It used to be us, Canada, maybe Sweden, France. But now, even the host country, Australia, really put a lot into this national team. They had a pretty good showing in the last Women's World Cup um, and in the yeah. Olympics. And I, I think that is a team that is also going to be a tough out in this tournament. Yeah, that's a good point. Australia has invested a lot of a lot of time and a lot of money, and and a lot of their players. You know, well, not a lot. I don't know the exact percentage, but I know you're seeing more of their players either playing in the U.S. or in Europe for quality programs. So it'll be interesting to see. And you know, you know, when you're dealing with World Cup and national teams, those players don't get a lot of time together. So how they jive, you know, when they when that manager or that coach comes brings them together. You got what eight weeks or so to be able to to figure it out quick, and because I think they'll start. Actually, I think they've started now training. They'll start their training now before the uh, the camps have already started. I think today, maybe today or tomorrow, so, sometime soon. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for it. I hope it's nice to watch a competitive. You know, look at the men's World Cup last year. I thought that was great. It was a good. That was a good World Cup. It was a I good thought. World Cup overall. I, I would say. Just from the American standpoint, I was not impressed with our performance in said World Cup. I thought, when you get a draw against England, wow, great. But you can't lose to Wales, and you can't be sweating it out <laughs> against Iran. Like, and that's so. When Leland asked you about the men's national team, that's my problem. Like, I agree with you overall. I think talent-wise, we're going in the right direction. It's just about playing the talent. We didn't. We hardly play Reina in that World Cup. We play him in this latest Nations League. All of a sudden, we're yeah, scoring goals left and right. Before, we're My scoring goodness. goals left and right. We scored five goals. <laughs> we go to the Gold Cup, and I understand the Gold Cup's more of a B-team thing, but I, a lot of those guys that play in the World Cup are on that Gold Cup roster. And all of a sudden, we're struggling to beat Jamaica, and I'm like, wow, thank goodness we hired the guy that likes these guys because now I'm concerned. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And like you said, I mean, coaching Wilson, you know, you never know game to game, right? You can go out, beat somebody, blow somebody off the face of the earth, but if you're not hundred percent in it mentally. CONCACAF is a great example of that. I've watched the U S men's national team draw and lose a bunch of games. They've had no business losing. And then the players are like, Oh, well, you know, the pitch threw us off. And I'm like, you're both yeah. teams are playing on the same pitch. 
And that's interesting, you know, because you, even at the high school level, you know, we play on a bunch of different surfaces. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're lucky that we have a Bermuda field that's somewhat flat, you know, and it, <laughs> this year our surface was rough. But when you play at other schools that might not have the, you know, we had a 101, we had 101 meters by 67 meter field. Um, you know, you could be playing on a football field, you know, it was 60 yards wide or 100 yards long maybe 110 if you're lucky, um, you know, those surfaces make a difference. But if you're a good team, you're going to adjust. You're going to adjust to the environmental stuff. You know, um, one of the things that we did in preparation for our game with Lafayette was um, we went, I wanted us, to, we went over to Western Albemarle, let us use their turf field because we hadn't played on turf all season. And some of the girls may not have even, played on turf, you know, unless they play travel. So what we did was we went over to Western Albemarle uh, Wednesday and Thursday and trained on turf just to the speed of the ball, you know, and just your touches. A first touch on our field or on a, on a longer grass field might look great. You go out on a turf and the thing is, you know, bouncing all over the place. And, you know, so the girls had to kind of get used to that as quickly as they could. And I thought it helped. I thought it helped. But, you know, Lafayette, though, plays on that surface constantly or they're playing on quality Bermuda fields. And that is a, a challenge for Shenandoah and, and Valley teams. Um, I think Jefferson District, I think all of the Albemarle team, uh, the Jefferson District, Charlottesville, Monticello, uh, Western, I think they're all playing on turf now. I don't think anybody has grass over there. And, um, you know, it, it does change the speed of play for you. Yeah, so. Well, Coach, Really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, you know, it was good to get you on just to celebrate what these girls were able to accomplish this year, making that deep run, but also, you know, to have a great example of what, you know, Wilson Sports has been doing these last few years, particularly while, while we've been doing the podcast. And that's just, you know, racking up district championships. So um, yours was was one, too. And then you won a region and won a state game. And that was just a great run. But uh, expect to hear more success from you after all the perfect answers you just had for us on preparing these young women for more than just soccer. I think uh, an approach like that definitely pays off uh, on the field as, as well as, as you're seeing off of it. But uh, congratulations. Thanks for coming on with us. And uh, we look forward to grabbing you back on here sometime. I'd love to, but thank you guys for what you do. We appreciate, uh, you know, you just kind of highlighting some of the things that are going on in the Valley, not just obviously with soccer. So if you ever want, <laughs> you know, I love to talk soccer, but uh there's Joe might just start calling you up talk yeah. to you because I don't <laughs> I don't provide enough feedback in the conversations. <laughs> but uh, you guys, thanks so much again for having me. We appreciate it. Great deal. You guys take care. Once again, thanks to Coach Congleton for coming on. That was a great interview. And uh, so, you know, I, I appreciate the discussion out of him that was about, you know, stuff away from the field. And I, I don't think we uh, allow ourselves enough time with other coaches. I'm not I'm trying by any means to say other coaches we've had on don't approach uh, that way, but to hear him bring up those points uh, kind of coming from different angles at different points in that interview, I think it just makes me think we're going to be uh, talking about more success over there at Wilson with that, that girl's soccer team. Cause he's, he's doing a good job out there. Yeah. He's doing a good job in terms of wins and losses and he has the right mentality, which is right. more it, important. One, one starts to take care of the other. I, I I've learned from, being around some great coaches in my time, playing since then, all that, there, there is a common thread where some of that 
you know, off the field stuff comes up quickly and like the, the winning kind of takes care of itself attitude. I think that's a uh, phrase I've, I've had beat into my head. The winning takes care of itself if you do all this other stuff right. So uh, I, I appreciate, you know, his approach with that attitude uh, coming at it as, you know, if we make all this other stuff right, you know, it's, it's going to show over here. And uh, either way, good results. So um, the Yak Cup, though, I wanted to kind of circle back to that uh, because – I mean, Wilson was impressive this year. I, I thought last year when we were coming down the stretch of the season, it was really tight between Wilson and Fort Defiance last year. This year, Wilson kind of just extended their lead in the spring. They had six district titles, uh, four of those in the spring. Uh, that They actually added a, an additional district title than what they had a year ago when they won this cup just barely and, and really separated themselves as, as number one. And it's just impressive to kind of look across the the different sports they won and you know, I was really impressed with Fort Defiance last year. I know I highlighted that a lot, how like how many women's sports uh, uh, that they won throughout the season. But just, you know, seeing like the different sports that Wilson is good at. And it's, it, it's not just running. It's not just, um, you know, both boys and girls basketball or something like that. You know, it's really spread out with the different teams between, you know, tennis and some soccer and baseball and golf. Like just it's really dominant and and. I, it impresses me in the Shenandoah district where, you know, all these kids are <laughs> bred from the same area, drinking the same water, and, and here they are being significantly more successful. Yeah, no, they, I mean, to see the amount of district titles they were able to rack up in the spring and kind of cement that separation. But this, this is a Wilson yeah. Memorial uh, overall, just dominant. I mean, even the sports they didn't win in, they weren't terrible. They weren't at the bottom of the district and really – when we look at these kind of standings, that's what bears out, right? You just can't finish last. You can't finish, you know, sixth or seventh. If you're finishing in the top half of the Shenandoah district in every sport, you're going to be up there. Yeah. And, and then I mean, they didn't, I mean, I think fourth was the worst yeah. finish or something like that. I mean, and that's was in two different sports and everything else. It's like first, second, first, second. And yeah, it's just impressive. Now Fort Defiance still strong again, still second, uh, four district championships for them. All of those in the girls sports. I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount that when I said what I said about Wilson. I still, I really commend Fort Defiance for having such strong uh, girls sports program. So it, it's good. And I, I like seeing that Riverheads uh, third. And uh, that's the same top three as a year ago. And, you know, I, I know I'm quick to beat my chest about Riverheads, but I, I continue to be impressed with what Riverheads does. You know, no matter how we cut, cut it, this award is for regular season district work. And they have less students than everybody but Buffalo Gap. And here they are, you know, overall performing third best. And I, that impresses me to, you know, be better than Stanton, Waynesboro, and Stewart's draft, as well as Buffalo Gap these last two seasons. I, I think it, it says a lot about what they have going on there across the sport. They had two district titles in football and wrestling, same as what they had last year, but still high finishes across other sports, strong in the girls' sport. So I, I think that stands out when you look at this list, you know, knowing that, them and Buffalo Gap have very similar amount of students, but here's Riverheads, you know, performing much better in these Yak Cup standings, which which measure, you know, regular season finishes in, in our district. Yep, I agree. <laughs> uh, down, going down the list, Stanton fourth, Waynesboro fifth, Buffalo Gap did move up to sixth. They were uh, the seventh place team last year. This year's sure draft falls down to uh, that final spot. And, uh, you know, not to dwell on on the lower there, but you know, Stewart's draft just wasn't as as up there in a lot of sports this year as we saw 
more so last year, but their softball did get them a district championship, something to be proud of. But, you know, the cheerleading, the competition cheerleading that they usually win, well, they came in second. And just, you know, those minor differences is what kind of made the decisions down there. But we will try to keep up with this again next year. Um, it, you know, it's I, I like that we're, we're able to – talk about all the sports as a whole. I think we do so much, you know, measuring, well, who has the better football team and who's better in basketball season. I think it, it, all of these sports matter, obviously. And uh, this, this measures that. Uh, but once again, Wilson kind of proves that they're across the board, you know, better than, better than everybody else at, at, at most of those. And, and so commend them all the way. Yep. Uh, well, Leland, um, trying to keep this conversational, but also there is a little bit of structure here at the beginning, especially with the local stuff. Um, the football schedule came out and I talked to you. I don't look, obviously with the football schedule coming out, we got (laughs) to talk about it, but I, what I don't want to do is talk about the same things over and over and over. So we're going to tackle. This feels feels like November when the Christmas music comes on for everybody else. This is, this is the feeling I get when the football schedule drops. I get this, that, you know, the sleigh bells in my ears. It's time to start talking football again. You sent an I email just, out immediately, I and I was it. like, my first reaction was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but then I was like, okay, how – doing a podcast with him later, how do we tackle this and not sound bitter the entire time? Um, so just so the listeners know, what we're going to do this week, and we'll look at different variations – as the season goes on, trust me, we this is not the only schedule talk you're going to get, if that's what you're here for. Um, but what we're going to look at is each team in the Shenandoah District, we're going to pick one game that we are most excited about. And it might be the same game, uh, but we're going to pick one game, each of us, and um, take it from there. So we're okay. going to go uh, in alphabetical order. Buffalo Gap, uh, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, you know, coming off uh, a region semi-loss at Central Lunenburg last year, you know, they're going into the season wanting playoff success. And I think what's really going to matter the most is what we see out of them early, just kind of see if that's the case. Because they got a lot of holes to fill. So I'm really looking at that week three game, Clark County, that's a, a team that's perennial class two playoff team has made a lot of deep runs. I think that's kind of that measure and stick game early of what are we really dealing with, with Buffalo gap this year, when you look at their schedule, you know, James river Larray to start, I think Clark County starts to be that, you know, what, what, what are they showing us this season? I want to hear what you say to, to expand that further, but I think, you know, Clark County is kind of my one that pops off for Buffalo gap for me. I agree. I thought it was, I mean, it's either Clark County or the game before that against Lorraine, but I think you're right in Clark County because this is a team that they used to play all the time in that region to playoff. And now they're going down to class one. Um, but if they go out and they beat a Clark County team that we're expecting to be in that to be playoff again, then yeah, then you can look at one B and go, yeah, who are we to be worried about losing in, in a one B playoff now that Riverheads is gone? Yeah. I mean, they did lose to Central Lunenburg last year, but it was a close game. And I think there was some oddities there, but, but, you know, this is a team that now the Rivers out of the way, you, re- they really want to have some high postseason goals. I'm not, I'm not sure overall in the season, if I'm going to buy into that, I'll look at more of that this summer, but I think that Clark County is going to tell us a lot. I, I think you're right. Uh, with Riverheads, uh, this is another one. I think uh, you are 
not wrong um, in, in your pick. <laughs> okay. Did we skip so, somebody? I, so... We skipped somebody. The, oh, this list is different than the list I'm looking at now. Fort Defiance. Let's talk Fort Defiance because I said alphabetical and F is before R oh, last okay. time I checked. Yeah. Um, I can talk about either. Two. I'm ready. I'm on tap. I'm going to let go. you go Riverheads first, so I'll take Fort <laughs> Defiance first. And this is when okay. I think we are different. To me, it's Waynesboro because that okay. is their uh, first district home game. They'll, they'll play Riverheads before that, but that's not a game they're going to win. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is a game where if Fort Defiance is going to have a shot at the playoffs, that's, that's got to be a win. They've got to come in, and they've got to take care of business against a team in Waynesboro that, frankly, is a wild card. We don't know what we're going to see from them. So I, th- I think that's cool. my most interesting game for Fort because that's kind of where we'll know for the rest of the district season that is after that. Are they contenders, or are they going to be spoilers the rest of the way? Yeah, and Fort with Coach Rolf in his 15th season. I mean, last year they had that good little stretch, that three three wins in a row. Their young people seemed to be coming together then, and then and then things kind of fell back off on the on the latter part of the season. But I just think that TA game, seeing what seeing how we reacted last year when they played TA tough, they lost that game, but they played them tough at the beginning of the year, and I and I think that kind of you know opened up some eyes. That gave me confidence to have them to pick them to win some of those games that they ended up winning. I, I want to see what they do against TA. I think that's going to be a real storyteller game. And, and plus you got quarterback Trey Miller coming back as a starting quarterback. He was second team all district last year. He, he's one of the better quarterbacks in this district. He was a year ago. He's, he's supposed to be coming in this year. I, I think just seeing that performance in that game. Now I'm not going to t- sit here and tell you they have to win this game to be anything this year, but you know, the difference of 500 and not might come down to what they do in that first game. So right, sure. right off the bat, I'm taking that opener against TA as kind of being, give, give me an indicator. If, if they lose it, but they're still tight, I still give them credit. But think about the win in that game. I think that could really set them off on the right foot. All right, looking at Riverheads, their schedule, um, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, Riverheads, I'm not going to, you know, get too far with Riverheads before talking about their best game. I mean, they have a, they have a harder regular season schedule. Now, some people are going to start relating their regular season performance to, you know, coming up to class two. Their regular season's the regular season. They've been having undefeated regular season after undefeated regular season for so long, or, you know, one loss at the most. Um, this year, they have state semifinalists from a year ago, Central Woodstock. They have state semifinalists from a year ago, Christiansburg. Both of those teams on the schedule from two different classifications there. And so I'm not going to go any further than that first game against Central Woodstock. Got to go up the road to there, to this team that's coming off that state run. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a big storyteller game. You know, not the end of the world. The sky will not be falling if somehow Riverheads loses that game. But, you know, Riverheads comes out and performs well like we're used to seeing them do. Um, you know, I think that'll, you know, set the tone of how they're going to handle this non-district season that's kind of stepped up from what we've seen from the, you know, the Perry McClure games and other things like that. I mean, this is a tougher regular season schedule. They, this isn't the first year they've had that. They had Lord Botetot on the schedule the last two years. I appreciate this approach to schedule and get some of these harder teams from higher classifications, good teams from class two. I like it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Christiansburg is obviously the other game that you kind of look at and go, hmm, that's going to be an interesting game. Very good. Yeah. But it's a yeah. class three team, so the interest is purely on competitive standpoint. But this central game, that, that has seeding implications. Oh. That has playoff preview, preview implications. So I, I do think uh, you're exactly right. It's the season opener. 
So those teams will see each other that game. And then we're talking about maybe a region playoff game, whether it's a quarterfinal, semifinal, or final, wherever in the region playoffs, all the way at the end of the season. There's, we're going to have a whole season of growth for both of these teams in between. So if they yeah. do meet a second time, that will be interesting to see as well. But I, I think is, yeah. in terms of regular season, Riverhead's season opener against Central is, you know, the one game we look at in a non-district schedule. Um, there's usually only one, if if that, that you look at on the Riverhead schedule <laughs> go, oh, that might be a loss. Um, and, and they started off early against Central. Uh, yes, they do. Stanton, for me, their most interesting game, Rockbridge County. Second game of the year. And and I say that because that's a game that, frankly, if we're going to see Stanton back in the playoffs, you got to win that game. And we saw Stanton kind of fall off at the end of the year last year. The Madison County game is not a game I'm, I'm worried about. So I don't learn anything no. from Stanton no. there unless they lose, in which case I learn that it's time to eject on playoff hopes. But that Rockbridge County game is going to be kind of the first game where you get two on the schedule and you're like, all right, if Stanton's a playoff team, they're going to win that game, and they better win it kind of convincingly because I don't think Rockbridge County is bringing a ton of talent back to that roster. I, I hear your point there. I'm not, not downgrading that game at all, but I guess to a degree I expect Stanton to kind of just kind of be better than that. They beat Rockbridge County last year. I was not impressed with Rockbridge County a year ago. Um, looking at some of the early notes that I have for what they'll be bringing back, I, I, it doesn't give me a lot of hope for them. So I kind of put Stanton past that, so I move them right into that week three game. Again, talking Central Woodstock, just like Riverheads opens up with. Stanton will play them in, in week three. And I really look at that game as, as you said, for Riverheads, you know, it could be a look-ahead game. That isn't a look-ahead game for Stanton, but I think that's going to be a game that, uh, you know, they're going to look back at some point whether it's in or out of the playoffs or positioning inside the playoffs, if they won that game or not. So uh, I think that's a team that'll bring a lot of wins. I think Central Woodstock's going to win a lot of games this year. I don't know if they win week one. I don't know if they win week three, but I think they'll win a lot of games this year. And so I, I really look at that game to tell me what Stanton is. Are they you know, going to do something in the playoffs or are they just going to get in by the skin of their teeth again and be happy to be there? I, I Something tells me about that program that, the happy to be there mentality is is not there. I think they want to win football games, and uh, so I I expect to uh, look at that central game pretty hard when it comes along. Moving on to Stewart's draft, this is a team that again starts the season with I think their most interesting game, and Stewart's draft has a handful of interesting games on their schedule. Um, yeah. But King William, that's the game we were supposed to get a few years ago um, in the <laughs> COVID year, and then ended up not getting it. So now we're going to get it, and it's, it's huge. I, I think this is another game. This is a potential state playoff uh, preview if you're a Stewart's Draft fan, you're hoping, but since King William is in uh, Region A, but this is a good measuring stick for how they're going to stack up, and when they get to the likes of, if they go out and control King William, I think that makes the Riverheads game interesting. If King William, yeah. if King William beats them, I think all of a sudden that Riverheads game gets maybe not interesting really fast um but we'll see yeah, got a season between these those two games they don't play riverheads till late uh rustburg and loray is their other non-district games that kind of uh make you look at it i'm only seeing eight games on their schedule so uh you know i don't know if something's going to come together for Stewart Stroud or excuse me nine games excuse me nine games on their schedule um so i don't know if something will come together for them for a for a 10th game but i i agree that opener against keen william this is a team that won the state championship uh you know, a year ago, uh, a year since then, 
uh, that they've won it. Um, and, you know, a good program there. So Stritch Draft, a, a program that's that's got grown very accustomed to winning and, and playing deep into playoffs and being in the playoffs. Um, I think that Keen William is just a, kind of a monster game to start the season off. Has a lot of a lot of buzz about that game. Now let's talk about Waynesboro. Waynesboro's got some interesting games. Um, full disclosure, I saw yours, so I'll pick a different one just to be contrarian. But uh, I'm going to say their road game against TA because for me, this is kind of where we figure out that's a midway season game. It's game four of their year. Is Waynesboro have realistic hopes of performing well in the Shenandoah district. Do they have realistic hopes of making the region three C playoff last year? We were singing Waynesboro's praises saying they're going to be in the region three C playoffs. It's a question of (laughs) where they're seated. And it's a question of if they're maybe the second best team in the Shenandoah district. And then the wheels immediately fell off that wagon. It broke down on the side of the road. And then that wagon was run over by they a semi truck against Riverheads in that opener. And then, well, yeah. that's yeah. At halftime, <laughs> maybe it. you were sitting there going, okay, okay. But then a semi truck came by and ran over the wagon that was broken down because it was that season was dead DOA the rest of the way. I mean, it was bad. A one win yeah. season kind of took us all by surprise. And now we need to figure it's out, okay. is this team going to be good again? Um, the game you picked is a great one, but the game after that against TA is another one. It's an old Valley District team. They've got to win that game. I, I think they have to win your game too. Yeah, and 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 I kind of had this feeling when I thought about Waynesboro looking at the schedule. I was just like, it just kind of feels like this Broadway game means means a lot a lot of years. And and I went back and looked at at you know the win losses versus Broadway. And for the last twenty plus years, if the Little Giants are having a good season, like a winning season. They beat Broadway five times. Five times they've had a winning season. Five times they beat Broadway. And and if they're having the terrible season, like they do with their one and zero win seasons, they lose to Broadway. So I think right there, week three against Broadway, we, we're going to know what Waynesboro is going to do. Are they going to have a half-decent season at least, at least be a 500 team or not? And I think it's going to come down to that game and look at how the schedule plays out. It's just I think it could play exactly that way once again. So I'm very interested in that Broadway game week three. All right, going on to Wilson Memorial and Coach Bird. Um, Wilson was the team that kind of surprised us. They had a really good season. And uh, what do you think their most interesting game is going to be? You know, I, I, I kind of thought through this. There's a lot of different choices you can make. So I, yeah. I implore you to just Great choose schedule. a different game than I did. Um, you know, I know we've already talked about TA a couple times. That's week two. But I go to that week three game against Spotswood, um, mainly because I remember a year ago, that was a game – Wilson kind of just got in their own way for the entire first half of that game and then played half decent football after that and then went on and have a pretty good season after that. And I think they learned about themselves in that game. And that was one of those things we started looking at seeding of class three last year. We wondered if that game happened again, would it go the same way? Um, Spotswood's also a team that's had a lot of plenty success in this area. And so I think that's a good measure and stick game early, a good little showdown. Uh, third week of the season. A lot of my games are either openers or third week games of the season. But also the whole idea that Ryan Bird is the new head coach there at Wilson Memorial. This isn't, you know, uh, Drew Bugden still there. This is a new head coach there. That'll be his third game. And I'd say his, his toughest game at that point, uh, looking at how the season's coming in here. So I think that's going to be a big time game there. 
Wilson, and I think they go up two Spotswood there. So uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting game. Week three, Spotswood. I'm going to take week four at Western Albemarle because that was a game okay. last year where we kind of started to see the Wilson Memorial turn, right? When they yeah. went, when they got that win against Western Albemarle. This year they yep. go to Crozet. And I'm curious to see if they're going to do that again because Western Albemarle was a little bit down last year. I don't think that's going to be the case again. That's a program that's usually better than they were last year. So I think, uh, unfortunately for Wilson Memorial, the way their schedule stacks up, I mean, those first four games, first five games, yikes. I mean, that is a brutal schedule in the first five games. Um, but we're not going to talk about all of those first five games because I told <laughs> you, you we're to not going to do that. You just tell me all. Let's go. Let's no. I can say them all. I here. said we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you pick Spotswood, and I'm picking Western Albemarle because I think the okay. Western Albemarle Warriors are going to provide another tough test, and we'll learn yeah. a lot about that Wilson Memorial team in that game as well. Two, two years ago, Wilson played them very tough over at Western Albemarle, so the away factor of that game won't scare me as much when we talk about that one. But, yeah, those two weeks right there um, – that. That could probably put a, a a pin in that season right there uh, and, and head it in one direction or another. So, all right. Well, I, I, I appreciate you letting me talk a little high school football here. We're not going to do it every single week until August, but uh, just a good little taste. Uh, I'll try to um, post a link to uh, where you can find the schedule if, if you're just now finding out that it's available out there. I haven't seen a lot of other guys uh, tweeting it out there uh, this week. I think a lot of newspaper guys are on vacation right now covering the local beat. So uh, we'll let them have their time off. I'll try to get that put, pushed out there for you. But um, some interesting opponents, you know, I, 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 I don't want to break down every single game like, like you don't want me to. But just some of these different Allegheny is now a combined school. They show up on a couple different pro, uh, um, schedules, Madison County being involved, like we said. John Marshall shows up at the end of Riverhead season. So there is some different opponents out there. Um, that it'll be interesting to cover. You know, I think the last four years we've had, other than Lord Botetide, it felt just like the same clump of teams that we were covering. So we'll get a little a little taste of some different teams this year. It'll be fun. And we'll talk more about that as the uh, summer winds along and when we get near the fall. We'll have already talked about it too much for my liking, but... Um... <laughs> Not me. I won't have said enough. But, Joe, I know, uh, you know, last week we tried to kind of watch a, a baseball game while we were talking, uh, you know, at least have it on in the background. We, we kind of approached it the same way tonight to have a game on in the background, but this thing's over. Uh, there's not much to really be watching. I don't even have it on the screen right now. I see the score, 18-4, to 4, LSU leading Florida. LSU's going to win another baseball national championship, another national championship in this school year uh, for the Tigers there. And, you know, everybody was kind of worried about Florida, uh, you know, just running away with this thing after they put up 20-some runs uh, on Sunday. Uh, LSU's just returning the favor tonight. Well, and, and right, I get it because Florida's offense is really good, but LSU was good too. And yeah. that was like the, oh, man, Florida figured it out. And I'm like, okay, baseball's – They figured that pitcher out. Yeah, baseball is a different game every time you go out. And this LSU team's good. This LSU team has put up 24 hits tonight. And they are now one out away as we're as I'm talking right now from winning the national championship up 18 to four. And, and this game, I, I told you when uh, we finished up our interview uh, for this week uh, that this that was I was like, this thing's over. Yeah. Coach Congleton, uh, we gave him our full attention um, because he <laughs> deserves that. But then we were you're right. We were going to do this. I, I'm 
thinking about pulling up the Madison app because the Orioles game uh, went long due to a rain delay. It got rain. It was rain delay. There. Yeah, so they're only in the fifth thing. I am thinking about opening that up because it's uh, Jordan Westberg night there at Camden Yards. We'll talk more about that in a that second, I guess. Time. But um, um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's um it's pretty awesome to see what LSU's been able to do. I was really you know rooting for Wake Forest to get past the Tigers. They didn't. Um, and then once walk off and took them out. Yeah. Yeah. Then once it was the Gators, um, you know, Florida's really good. And and this series has, there are multiple people going in the first round in this series. In fact, the three people favored to be the number one pick in the draft are all playing in this series. So, um, this, this is going to be, yeah, that this is, this has been a great, college world series it's been a lot of excitement um i enjoy watching from the regionals on it's incredibly exciting baseball um you get the cinderella stories like you do in march madness and um crazy it's interesting that when there was when when the college world series started in omaha there uh two weeks ago whenever it was every game was like one run game i think you know through kind of the round yeah. robin there was only like one game that wasn't a run run game it was a two run game or something like that mm-hmm. and now we've seen some blowouts here so that's interesting i mean it'll be lsu's first national championship since 09 uh but that was you know kind of part of a two-decade run where they were just absolutely dominant um this looks like it will be they've already got it on wikipedia one two three four five six seventh national title so uh well, hey, that's a, a baseball program there. So. I'm sure we'll hear from uh, Wake Forest and TCU that they should have been in the national championship instead of Florida because of this blowout. Oh, they don't do that because they're not stupid like football fans. Yeah. Yeah, the transitive Can we talk about always... that? Nick Saban saying today when he was asked about it in an interview, like – He said well, it back I, then. He said it in December. I was told we were favored against three of the four teams in the playoffs, so why aren't we in it? Because you were favored against Tennessee and LSU, and you lost both those games. That's why. Like end of story. He said it in December, though, too. I'll, I'll, but I I'll wish, I wish, he said it in December. I wish a reporter would just say, just call him out on him being ridiculous. Say, well, coach, you were also favored against Tennessee and LSU and didn't win, so maybe that's why you're not there. Like, win some games, and you also, by the way, barely beat a terrible Texas A&M team this year. So before you start looking at, you know, TCU getting trucked in a national championship game or whatever, like those those college football semifinal games were fantastic. Those were great college football games. Alabama not being there, Seven don't have a problem between with. between the two semifinals, right? Yeah, it's just the national championship game that's a blowout. And they're like, well, it should have been Alabama. Well, is Alabama going to hop over Michigan? No? Okay, no. then stop talking because Michigan lost to TCU. TCU earned their way into that national championship game. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was one versus two in the national championship game, right? So it just, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, we play into that probably at that time of the season, but I, I don't know. I don't know why that was brought up today as much, but whatever. Um, I did what I've been kind of like dominating my sports Twitter feed has been the NBA draft, which it hasn't for a couple of years. And I think that's what comes when you have, you know, someone as I'm not gonna say iconic. I don't know. Victor Wimignana. I, I don't know what he is <laughs> on the scale, but he's very talked about. I, I'd say the most talked about players since Zion Williamson um, they, for the NBA draft. NBA scouts are saying he is the most surefire lock since LeBron James. 
yeah. And that's that was the next name I was going to say. Like, that was the last time I remember multiple years of hype was LeBron James. Now, Zion, I think I had multiple years of hype, but I also live in the same house as a Duke fan. So I think that might have added a degree, a degree to it. But, I mean, national podcasts that I listen to, Victor Wimignana, there's been conversations, songs made about him for months and years now. So uh, I'm interested to see him get on the court. I I saw that he's not going to play in the uh, you know FIFA World Cup this year so he can concentrate on um, the Spurs and all that. Fine. I, I think he needs to take care of that job, number one. I, it's going to be interesting because that France team has gotten better on the, on the world stage there uh, to see him get back with that at some point. I don't know if that's going to be the next Olympics or what. Um, so I think I'm disappointed he's not going to be playing in that. You know, he says, well, he's going to do the summer league and, and this and that. He's not going to do much at the summer league. Like, they're not going to have him out there that much. That You, you don't have the number one player out there much at the uh, summer league. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited to see what he's like. I want to like this guy. I really do. I'm not a huge Spurs fan. You know, I wasn't huge on Tim Duncan, even though I acknowledge he's, you know, top 10, top I don't know, whatever number you want to throw out it. I'm not going to argue um, all time. Sure. I, I did like the Spurs a little bit before that, but I, I haven't been big on them. I want to like Victor Wimignana. I think, you know, he's not going to just have Greg Popovich as his coach's entire career. I think Popovich will get him started, get him developed, and then they'll hand the team off to someone else to lead that team. Um, maybe I'll like him more without Popovich. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I want to like this guy. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm rooting for him. He is a stick figure right now. He needs – got to put on some weight. He's got to. Um, Kevin Grant did it. He put on a little bit of weight. Um, a lot of those tall outside shooters at least get a little bit of muscle to him. He's going to have to develop that. I think he can. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I mean <sighs> – I think we all knew he was going one. You said who's going to. I had kind of forgotten Brandon Miller existed um, until he went to. And I was like, oh, yep, that's interesting. Um, and then, of course, Chris Paul was a wizard for all of about one day. Yeah. Um, and Justin Yeah, Tyler now he's on the Warriors. The so my statement is he will never win a championship. He's just gone to the wizard, uh, the Warriors. The Warriors. I'm going to, I'm going to pull back that statement. I was going to say his, his odds have increased exponentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's on the same team as Steph Curry. Okay. I'll, I'll shut up. Uh, but <laughs> the wizards, I, I see the plan they're going for. It's a total rebuild. Um, yeah. whatever. That's fine. You, you can't, you can't, you can't knock that. <laughs> I can't knock that. I also will be perfectly honest. I, I saw someone say the Wizards will be back in the playoffs before the Nationals on Twitter. And my first oh. thought when I saw that was I wouldn't make that bet. But um Jeez, that's that's a that that's a good uh Washington DC uh <laughs> Because both those teams push. are very yeah. much in rebuild mode right now. Now very much in this person's defense. One player can absolutely make a difference in you being a playoff team and not a playoff team. Um, I do think the Washington Nationals also kind of have a plan. Um, whether it's working or not is debatable. Uh, they're also in a really tough division, which hurts, whereas the Wizards just have to be one of the best. If we're counting the actual playoffs, they have to be one of the best eight teams. To be in the playoffs. If we're counting the play in, then they only have to be one both, of the, both of those ten. leagues kind of have a play in situation. Yeah, but at least in Major League Baseball, it's actual like a series. Whereas the play in tournament is literally if you're the nine or the ten team, you got to win twice. 
but if you're the seven or the eight, you only have to win once. So I thought we still had, don't we don't we don't have those one game playoffs in baseball at the bottom. No, we did not have that last year. We will not have it in the future. We just added them. We just added them straight up. They're yep. It's a three game yeah, series. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's three straight days, oh. um, in one location. Right. But yeah, it gives that other team a couple of days off, and then we talked about them being rusty. It it takes me a minute to remember things. Um, yeah, I don't. I that's an interesting debate. I I would. They said which which team's going to get in the playoffs before the other? Who'd they say? They said the Wizards. Baseball, the Wizards. They said the Wizards would be in first. I just knowing everything I know about Wizards history, I just that's a team I look at and I'm like, okay, they will never win a championship in my lifetime. Like, this is why we need we need to get Patrick Hyde on for this uh, for this one because he has that that fandom sitting there. Um, I don't know. I want to talk about more about Brendan Miller. You you mentioned that. I have my issues with Brandon Miller, I think while it was happening in March and uh, in, I mean the whole winter, um, I started blaming the school more so than the individual. Well, now this individual's moved on from the school and I just, I don't know. I wouldn't really want that on my team, <laughs> that, that storyline to follow it to my team. I think that's what you're seeing from the Hornets fans booing them uh, when they drafted him. I also, the, uh, another controversial kind of thing about this was, they have FanDuel um, mm. uh, odds on where players are going to get picked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so at 10 o'clock in the morning on draft day, a person tweets out there, hey, this this other guy is going to get drafted number two. That's where he's going. Like everything's pointing to that. And so then the odds just shift and people start making bets and that shifts the odds. And then Brendan Miller gets drafted who – you know, two days previous was the favorite to go number two. I was, it was projected to go number two when we talked about this a week ago. And okay, you think, okay, well, that's just a guy reporting raw news. That guy works at FanDuel. <laughs> like well, that guy it's is also... in his news division of FanDuel and he's pumping this inside information or, you know, it's, it's framed as inside information that this other thing's going to go. It changes the whole betting market and he saves FanDuel all kinds of money. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I'm 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 a leery of that. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the gambling and, and the fear of it getting into the sports. People throwing games. We talked about the Alabama baseball coach. You know, it goes back to Pete Rose discussions. I think it's you know considering I fake myself in the news business here of sports. <laughs> I I that makes me very uneasy knowing I present myself. I, on certain days of the week as being a part of news media, a sports news media. And I also take part in these gambling apps. That really makes me nervous that they have these guys as reporting news from these gambling sites. And that's shifting odds of, of the market. I, I think that's, it's a weird little game that we got going on there. So it's Shams. Like that's the reporter in question here. And Shams is a very, uh, in depth, and he's one of the newsbreakers up there with Woj, um, in terms of basketball breaking news. And yes, there was the the story where he's talking about. I don't even remember the other player now. Uh, 
Everything's yeah. pointing to him being taken second, and then that changes the betting lines. And Shams is also employed by FanDuel, and he's employed by FanDuel to help them when these rosters are getting ready to come, or when these lines are getting ready to come out, or when they need to take lines down because someone's not going to play, or someone is going to play that wasn't expected to play. And, and that's why they hire these people, these sports books. Um, that being said, some of the people that are up in arms about this, I get it, right? If I had bet on the NBA draft and was going off information from a usually reliable source and it turns out that pick doesn't happen and, oh, I find out he's also employed by a particular sports bet sports book, I might be mad about that. I will say, I think if you're betting on the NBA draft, that's usually probably a red flag that you might have a gambling problem that you need to look at. But, um, yeah, I don't... If you're betting on any draft, for that matter, you might have a gambling problem. Um, but, yeah. There was I, some dude up there. He put a TikTok out, and uh, William Bignano went number one, and he goes, yeah, hey, we won the bet. And the wife like, you bet on this? He's like... Yeah, thousand dollars, and she's like, "Oh, we won a thousand dollars." No, we won five dollars because you had to bet a thousand. Oh my gosh, that the people there was <laughs> DraftKings put that on social media of like some guy put a forty thousand dollar bet, and he'll win like two hundred dollars if he gets it. And I was like, I almost want Wimbenyama to not get picked number one, so that guy loses forty thousand dollars. Like, that's a dumb bet. That's I don't a, have the ability to put $40,000 into my... That's game. an extremely <laughs> stupid bet. It, the juice is absolutely not worth the squeeze. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I... Levitar was talking about this, too, in, in the sense, you know, what do we do with journalism being compromised? And, of course, this isn't the first time even this year we've had that. We've We've seen... It's not just with gambling. We saw Adam Schefter, right? That leak of, does this look good to you, Mr. Editor, to Bruce Allen? Yeah, I don't like that either. And, right. and that's kind of when you're talking about these insiders at ESPN or The Athletic or wherever, um, part of the way they get their sources is being in bed with these teams or agents and you kind of start when you start to realize that you start to see the slant in the article and you can kind of tell who they're getting their information from on these stories. Um, this man, I'd like to believe that Shams didn't create a fake story to drive the odds and betting another way to help this, to help FanDuel out, but his, his source, but that ended up not happening. And you'd also like to I, say, I hope this hurts his, if he did that with malice, you would hope that would hurt his credibility, but he gets so many other stories right, and, and our attention span as a society is just not paying attention, or we don't care. And Yeah, no one's talking about this still. It was that day. This is sports yeah. journalism. This is the absolute bottom rung of journalism that matters, and people don't Hardly even matter. care when yeah. that is corrupted to the point. So, and... and Am I Good point. shocked that people are going to be upset about this when it costs them money and then they'll forget about it and Shams will still do both jobs? No. No. It won't change anything. I, I'm not as romantic about, you know, journalism as, you know, Aaron Sorkin or something. And I, you know, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, the, the pride and the 
ethics of journalism is just my number one priority. I just, I don't know. I just, I'd, I'd like to not have things like that thrown in my face where I do worry about that. I'd rather just not be a, a subject for me to worry about. And, you know, I don't bet sports news. I bet <laughs> games and, and stuff like that. So it's it probably not going to get in the way of me and any investments, but I just didn't like that look. So I, I don't know. I, I thought more about that on draft night than, than most of the other storylines other than like Grady Dick and his sequin suit and all that. So. Yeah, that was something. The Wizards got Wimbenyama's teammate, so there's that. The Pacers picked yeah, him, and then I we think traded for him. They were trying to get him. They were trying to get him, too. Yeah, but, uh, but we traded for him. Yeah. Well, um, I The other thing that came out draft day that I that stood out to me was uh, USC dropped a, you know, a hype picture for um, USC basketball this coming season. In case anybody doesn't know, LeBron's son, Bronny James, he's going to USC for this single year to play basketball. And uh, they had him in the uniform. That's all fine. It makes sense. I know why they did it. But, like, that's that's now where all this this college, this draft attention turns is is in that direction, is, is towards Bronny James and what he's going to be able to do. I, I the, the main thing I give respect to LeBron for is – living up to expectations. You can't say he's done anything other than lived up to expectations. He came in with the highest bar to have to hurdle over to be known as, you know, meeting expectations. And and he's done that. I mean, he was in the finals how many years in a row? He's won multiple finals. He's he's the greatest player in the game for a long period of time. Um absolutely has lived up to expectations. If this if Bronny James lives up to the expectations that get thrown out in front of him, I I will be more impressed because like, you know, I I know I remember Michael Jordan's kids that have played basketball and you know they didn't even come close to any kind of hype towards them. And I, Bronny has gotten so much more attention than those guys ever did. That we live in a different day and age too. But I I'll just say right now, if Bronny comes into this league and is like a perennial all-star and stuff like that. I will be more impressed than what LeBron James has done. Cause just to do that in his shadow and with the name and, you know, his dad's not even getting out of his, out of his way for him. His dad wants to play on the same court as him. So it's just going to be tough for him to like walk his own path that um, I think he's set up for failure. And so if he has success, I'll, I'll be very, very impressed with him and, Oh, I, I just I that's that was my reaction to seeing that picture on draft day because it just seemed like it was setting up that discussion for the next 12 months. Yeah, I think that's whatever. Um You don't care? We'll I really don't. I, I really don't. I, I can't even fake care about that. Uh USC's gonna pump up their own program, which is great, and then they're gonna try to they're gonna sell Bronny merchandise for the rest of time. And they're going to yeah. take pictures every time LeBron is in the building. They're going to take a picture and they're going to hang that somewhere. And they're going to put that on social media and they're going to use that as a recruiting tool, whatever they can to get kids through that door. And yeah. to me, they could care less what happens to Bronny post USC. It's all about finding ways to help USC now that Bronny is yeah. there. I think we're touching on the same point. We're just coming from a different angle is that like this young person's well-being is probably the last <laughs> thing that's being prioritized right now. Everybody's just trying to figure out how to make money off of them and prop themselves up. And 
I, I think I even highlighted where inside his family, some of that <laughs> could be kind of happening. Like the idea of playing with your own kid is such a priority for LeBron. It's just, I don't know, man. I well, don't know. hope he likes playing in DC. <laughs> yeah. They're going for that. Number one. That was oh. my problem. We got Jordan Poole, and I was like, ah, uh, he's too good. We we better be yeah, trading him. But he might fight a couple people on the team or something. Yeah, honest. maybe if we're doing too good, he'll punch someone on the team, so knocks them out, <laughs> and then they can't play the rest of the season. We need to be well, like, this, this needs Dray- to be Draymond was the physical aggressor in that, wasn't he? Uh, that is true. Yeah, so he might just piss people off on his own team that make him want to hit him. I guess that's the that's the setup. Maybe we'll trade him. I don't know. I This needs to be like 0-82. <laughs> yeah. If you're going for bad, might as well just... 0-82 Wizards. 0-82 Wizards. If you get LeBron, uh, you know, we'll see what Bronny is. I haven't followed his high school career um, all that closely. We'll see what he is in college. And then when he gets he drafted... Played, what, like Sierra Canyon or whatever? Sure. I don't know. Uh, But... If you're able to get LeBron and his son is like any level of NBA ready when he gets there, then maybe that guy is right on the Wizards making the playoffs before the Nationals. I think that happens that day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're going to have to go 0 82. Like, uh, I don't know. The Charlotte Hornets exist, they're going to be bad. <laughs> like, you, you just look around. They might get better now. They they're gonna be, be they're gonna be a little bit better, but they're still the Charlotte Hornets. And there's just certain teams you look at and you're like, yeah, that team's gonna be bad. Like, I, what do the Pacers have? Pacers could be bad. Yeah, I haven't paid attention to the Pacers forever. I, oof, yeah. I uh, what I did do this past week as I started Ted Lasso, hmm. and I started Night Agent. So I've watched one episode of Night Agent. I've watched three episodes of Ted Lasso. Uh, um, you warned me that this is the worst season of Ted Lasso, but still enjoyable to a degree. Uh, and I've seen what you're saying already. It's just, it's a little too cute in a lot of senses. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm early and they're on this winning streak that I'll obviously at some point stop, but uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it isn't as good as it was. I think I think they're smart for this to be the last season and run its course. So, yeah, kind of agree. But Night Agent was good, man. I like that first episode. Well, Night Agent is good. Night Agent is yep. the opposite of Ted Lasso. There are moments of Ted Lasso where you're like, this is kind of dragging a little bit. Um, yeah, and the episodes I mean, are longer this season. Like that's it. not that's not a figment of your imagination. They are actually longer this season than they have been in past seasons. The episodes. Um, Oh yeah, I said it's a half an hour each, and then <laughs> yeah, it's, they weren't. It's not. <laughs> um, so that that is not the figment of your magic. I think that probably doesn't help. Is that it's the worst season, and it's also the longest season in terms of duration of episodes. And you're like, so there are moments in those episodes sometimes, and even sometimes whole episodes where you're like, we need to get through this because I we haven't made it anywhere. Don't care about <laughs> any of this. Um, Night agent, that is not the case. Night agent, you are strapped into a seatbelt. And yeah. on for dear life the entire time. Um, and there's already been some left turns that I didn't quite expect. I mean, it's one episode in and now, and you watch the previews and usually that preview in the first episode, there's a, a lot of the same messaging and storytelling though. Nope. There was, there was some surprises. I, I like that. 
I think that's going to be great. Um, I, you know what? Do you have anything for the second half of this? No. Okay. Then I'm going to give you what I what dominated my life, and then I want to go back to another thing and just ask from a fan standpoint, something we talked okay. about with the USC thing, but I'll do that at the very end. Um, okay. I have made it my opinion on comic book movies, uh, widely known on this podcast, saying I am out. Uh, I will never watch oh. another comic book thing. Now, this is not going to be what you're talking, what you think I'm going to say, Leland, because no, it's not. But I got a point to make. That's fine. Go it's ahead. not Marvel. It's not Disney. It is a DC product. I. F- when I'm looking, I was looking for something to watch because I kind of finished some shows. For All Mankind, I wrapped up. That's a fine show, but I, I, it's not for everybody. Um, and I know that. So that's why I don't talk about it on this podcast. Um, I found on the Max app, though, they've got like these animated, basically like short films. And they, a lot of them are based on graphic novels or comic books. One that I was interested in, because I played the video game when I was in college when it came out, Injustice, um, which is like a fighting game of the superheroes and supervillains, and it's Mortal Kombat, but with DC people, and less violent, if you can say that about a fighting game. Um, rip the hearts out of people? Come on. Yeah, you don't rip the hearts out of people. Now, the Joker does have a thing where he dumps gasoline on somebody and then lights them on fire. But um, yeah, whatever. it'll happen. Um, but anyway, the Injustice movie, I was like, oh, I know the storyline in the video game vaguely. I remember it. Let's see if the movie is good. And there were some differences in the in the video uh, from the video game to the movie, which was good enough to keep me interested. But I enjoyed that. And I, I found some other ones on there that I'm probably going to give a look. See, um, they're based on graphic novels. I haven't read a lot of the graphic novels or comic books. Um. But I might give a look-see when I'm looking for something to watch because I thought it was interesting. And, and my number one complaint about the other comic book movies is I know the heroes aren't in any real danger. And here's the beauty of this, Leland. And this is the this is what Marvel could have done, but they chose not to. Because, I don't know. Because it's the comic book and graphic novel, and each one is kind of its own world, and they're not really connected in any way. Sometimes the people don't make it out of it. Sometimes some heroes don't survive. And you're like, huh, how about that? And sometimes hmm. some villains don't survive. And you're like, how about that? And I watched that, and I didn't know who was going to make it and who wasn't. And I loved that. I love watching something and not knowing how it's going to end before I get there. Like, when I sit down to watch a three-hour Marvel movie... Jokathon while they're fighting the supervillain. I know none of the Marvel heroes are going to die. And if Thanos snaps his fingers, then they'll just go back in time and save all of them. Like, I know that's going to happen. Because there's no way Disney's killing any of those people. Because uh, otherwise, how do you sell toys? Versus, it's in Star Wars now, which I hate. But that's another conversation for another night. This DC one. I mean, there were some superheroes that did not make it out. I think it was a little bit over an hour, maybe an hour 15, hour 20. Loved it. I watched the DC. I watched uh, the Batman Begins movie uh, this weekend. and The newest one? I'm... 
No, the the Christian Bale. Uh, okay. Oh, Christian Nolan. Revisited that uh, with my oldest uh, because I really am looking forward to her watching Dark Knight. So um, you had to start from the beginning. You had to get that one movie in before, and we snuck it in while the other kids were occupied elsewhere. And uh, she liked it, and then I was like, "But if you like that, you're just gonna you're gonna love the Dark Knight." So I'm looking forward to that that rewatch too. Yeah, that gets a little more extreme as it goes. I although Batman Begin has some extreme moments. I don't too. know the first one. Of the stuff that I tried to shield from her, the first one has more, more of that I feel like than others. Like that scarecrow is intensely scary. I think. Like, yeah, it's a pretty think, good scarecrow. You know like, what? I, it's, Gosh, it's, it's summer topic. We are gonna go through the variations, and particularly of the Batman universe. I mean, I guess any. I mean, the Christopher Nolan ones are my favorite. But, I mean, man, but, uh, ba- that, I don't know. Do you remember girl. Batman the animated series? Yeah, Woo! I do. It was good, and the Scarecrow was scary. Scarecrow there too. was awesome. Uh, that's my in second. That. That's my second favorite of the anime. I used to watch that when I was too old for cartoons. I still that's on Max that. too. That's on Max too. Um, um, but yeah, I I like that Christopher Nolan set right there. I haven't really even given anything newer that much of a chance. Um, because I just that that Dark Knight. I, I love Batman Begins when I saw it. I loved it, and then I was so anticipating the Dark Knight, and um joker with that and and heath ledger and all that and then it lived up so i i just that's it had me and uh and then i was just as pumped for dark knight rises too which wasn't as good as the dark knight but still an entertaining fun movie to watch and yeah it was good yeah i i so if you're looking for something different and you're not one of those people that's like oh it's animated it's for kids um give it a look i enjoyed it um there you go and, and honestly, like the Batman the Animated Series holds up. I've when when I need a nostalgia kick sometimes, and I'm looking for something to watch Actually, while I fall yeah. asleep, I kick on that. That's great, no, Leland. You could absolutely I, get that. For, that's how you could hook your kids. I did actually. I, you just reminded me. I turned on Batman Animated Series for uh, my oldest when she was a bit younger, and that first episode of season one that is just the first the episode is like very scary like she'd be good now but like when we watched it that time i was like whoop 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 we gotta hold oh we gotta hold oh yep no i know the one you're like, talking about the one with the bat creature yeah. yeah 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 what did he turn into he turned into a bat oh yeah it was scary man it was it was scary like I didn't remember being scared of it when I was young because I was probably at that right age where it didn't bother me. But like, she was still too young for that. So yeah, I, I we maybe skip off that one. Yeah, I can swing back around now. Maybe skip that one. Show like the red claw one to your kids because that's pretty tame. No one turns into an animal in that. Um, yeah. But uh, the my only complaint on Injustice, and this is nitpicking a little bit. I grew up because of the Batman, because of the Christopher Nolans that you were talking about. With it being pronounced Razagul, the okay, the assassin who trains Batman in the ninjas, and then ends up being one of the villains in Batman Begins. Um, spoiler alert, I guess, on a movie that's been out for I don't know, fifteen years. But they pronounce it in Injustice, uh, Razagul, and every time one of the characters said, "Oh, Razagul," I was like, "Raza," like it just. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one else in the room. I'm just talking to my TV 
like a crazy person. And they're like, Reza, cool. And I'm like, Raza. Like, kind of like when you say something <laughs> wrong and I just spit the correction under my breath for the audience. But um, <laughs> I just, I can't help it. That that was my one complaint. It was the number of times I had to say Raza Gul. Well, there you go. So what do you got on USC? What are you hitting me with? Okay, so we we criticized USC for maybe not having Bronny's best interests at heart. But as a fan, I know yeah, I have said on this yeah. podcast, and I would be a little bit hypocritical if I didn't also admit especially when it comes to, you know, arms of pitchers or we're in this really important game. We need you to get out there, even if you're dinged up a little bit. I'm kind of, that's where my fandom, I'm like, especially at the professional level, I'm like, I don't really care what happens to you after this. Like, I just want to win this game. I just want to win this Super Bowl or I want to win this World Series. Let me tell you, if the Orioles ever have a young arm, and they're thinking about, like, oh, do we shut him down or do we pitch him deep in the postseason? Pitch him deep in the postseason. I could care less if his arm falls off the second after we lift that trophy up. So the example of it working would be the Nationals because they held Strasburg out of the playoffs one year, right? Well, and did they, it, he, and then it took them, like, a decade to get back. It took them a long time to get back, or at least it felt still, like a decade. still, on his arm, they won that World Series. Okay, like, but, he was a major, big piece of the But he had surgeries in between there. He's had surgeries since then, too. Like, uh, I, yeah, I think that's up for debate. I think that's up for debate. I, but, I mean, they did win a World Series. Like, they held him out one year. And then they ended up with him being a major piece, absolutely major piece. Like, got to give him credit. He he was good that they did win with, with him. Like, I don't know. But then they gave him the I, giant extension. I agree with you. I know as a fan, I agree with you. I'm just trying to come up with the, with the contrary opinion here. Like, I, at least I, I give the Nationals credit that, like, that was a hard decision to make, and it, at least in the end, they come away with a national with a championship at some point. But yeah, I I I don't want like if a player chooses, if a player says I'm too hurt to play, I'm not going to be quick to be. No, like, no, no, oh, I won't. Cool. I'm not yeah. going to do that. But if they, but like that's a common thread in the athletes that like they they know when they got to go, and. So I just don't know. I can't think of times where it's like come up where like I, then I second guess. Cause then if, if you're there, if you're playing, you're playing, let's go. I want every bit of you. Yeah. I mean, we treat these guys like superheroes and not like humans. Like we treat them, you know, like that they can just do pitch 158 <laughs> pitches at a, in a college game and all that stuff. So yeah, to your point, I'm sure yeah. the fans don't care. The fans are like, whatever we won that yeah. game. That was awesome. That's That was my approach from that. I was a fan. I thought it was gutsy and, but as, as, as I don't know. Yeah, and I, I know that one, I was like, I don't like that. But I'm also not a fan of that team. So it's easier, right? Like yeah. if Virginia Tech had a pitcher yeah. and needed him to throw 150 pitches well, to shoot, win. Look at look at JMU softball with Odyssey. I mean, we absolutely uh, JMU just absolutely uh, kept rolling her out yeah, there. Yeah, softball's a little different. Completely up. I know softball's a little bit different, but she was used up i mean they got every little bit out of her that they could and then still she was in another inning or two like softball is different yeah 
the the science and the mechanics are different on your arm. Like it's not as damaging to your arm as baseball pitching. That's why they go out there every game. But seeing it get, they overworked her, and I don't hold anything against anybody, and I would do it again because that was a heck of a ride, and there was no way they were winning without her. It was either (laughs) physically she pitched pitched them to a national championship or didn't, and we saw what happened. But like, I'd do that again. So yeah, in baseball, I I I agree. I'd I'd be rooting for what I think gives us the best chance to win to have it out there playing. I agree, and. Also, like, if the player says he wants to play, I'm with yeah. you, especially at the college level. I'm like, if a player says I'm not okay to play, I'm going to be like, all right, he knows his body more than others. And yeah, to be fair, I'm not going to second guess that stuff. To yeah. be fair, even if a player was like, I, I'm okay to play, but I don't want to risk it because I've got this draft coming up. The larger part of me in time will understand that decision. If it's a player on my team in that moment. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to have to worry about it with Virginia Tech because I don't think they're ever going to be in a position to go to the playoff. I hate guys sitting out of bowl games. I don't know. Oh, if it's the... Like, you signed up to be here for this. You signed up for this. Like, how do you do that to Dude, if it's the CarQuest Bowl, I could care less. If they want to sit out the CarQuest Bowl, that's fine because I might be sitting out the CarQuest Bowl as a fan. So, if a player wants to sit out the CarQuest Bowl, I, I don't care. If it's a playoff game or a uh, you know, one of the New Year's Six, then maybe I'm like, mm, maybe we should play this one. Um, but we've seen guys in the New York Six. We New have, Year's six we six. absolutely have. Um, I don't like it. I don't love it, but I also understand it's a business decision. Yeah, um, there's sense to it, but I don't like it. Sure, which I guess is my point. And on the flip side, like, so there, I'll be honest, the reason I brought this up and you were talking, we were both talking about the best interest of Ronnie, and it reminded me of a conversation they had. Uh, earlier today on the Marlins, they have a young pitcher who is looking like one of the best pitchers in baseball, but they're already talking about like, well, you know, do we put an innings limit on him? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, and they were talking about as fans, they don't want to see that. They want to, they want to see him pitch because they are in a position where they might be in the playoffs and they want to get in the playoffs. And if they're in the playoffs, they want him to pitch in it. They don't want to see him shut down because of, you know, longevity or whatever. And I just prefer them to handle this during the season instead of waiting, like then put them on the DL twice, put them on there right now, put them there at the end of July. And then, but if you do that, you, you might not be there in August or whatever, which again goes to my point of like, you're there now. And this is something I think professional sports, sometimes we overlook and, and this, you know, as you said, for the nationals, it ended up working out, but it almost didn't. Because there was a long stretch where they were very subpar and after they shut Strasburg down um, and flamed out early in playoffs um, and never really got back to a situation where they might be a World Series contender. In fact, the year they won it, they weren't expected to be a World Series contender. Um, I, I just... They just had enough arms to do it. When, when you are good, you need to give everything you have to win then. You don't need to, and this is my number one complaint that I had earlier in the year with the Orioles, and now we're starting to call up guys, and we're starting to just embrace the moment we're in, and we're going to make that push. Um, We're going to be in the playoffs this year. It's a question of, do we buy an arm? I hope we do. Um, 
and some of these log jam prospects that will never make the major league team because we just have too many good players in positions ahead of them. I hope we trade some of them to get a decent arm for the rotation that will help us in the postseason. Um, Cause I think you have to make that push now. Yes. This team looks like it's set up for a, you know, long term success, but you just don't know. And so I would like to see us make that push. Um, and, and, you know, if Virginia Tech ever finds himself in that situation in football, I would like to see us make a push and not be like, well, you know, this kid might get drafted. I'm like, great. Also, speaking of Virginia Tech, I sent you yeah. something. You never replied. I assumed it was because you were Which waiting is... to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, the kicker. Yeah. No, the biggest Shane kick is Graham 99. and Chris Kinzer. Yeah, that's the biggest kick. I was going to say, it's it's one and two by a landslide. And I think one... Yeah. I I agree with you. It's Shane Graham one. Step. Chris Kinzer. Jump off the cliff into the ocean. A host of other kicks um, in Virginia Tech football history. Because I guess they asked chat GBT what the biggest kick in Virginia Tech football history was. And it said Shane Graham beating West Virginia. Um, which is right. And then it's Chris Kinzer beating NC State in Virginia Tech's first ever bowl win. Um, but you know what those two guys have in common, Leland? What? They both went to Pulaski County High School. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So the success, the secret to success for Virginia Tech football is find a kicker somewhere in the state of Virginia, pull the old John Marshall, get him to transfer to Pulaski County High School, and then you recruit the hell out of him and get him to come kick at Virginia Tech, and we're back to the glory days, Brent Pry. I just solved your problem, and here's the kicker. The VHSL won't care. So just find the best kicker in the country or the state of Virginia, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's got to be a D1 kicker somewhere in the state. Pay to have his family move to Pulaski County, be a Cougar legend, and then be a Hokie legend. That's the path to success for Virginia Tech football. Also find a quarterback like in the it. 757 that is amazing. That helped too. And some defense. Yeah, it, it really does. He said <laughs> if NIL existed back then, he would have uh, stuck around Virginia Tech at least another year. Man, I wish NIL existed. <laughs> That's enough to, <laughs> that's enough to stab you in the heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. I look at Strasburg a touch different than you do, I guess, because he pitched at least 22 games every single season from the first time they were in the playoffs until they won it. Um, so he wasn't out. Extended, I guess I just remember those injuries. Second place that entire stretch too. Okay. So I like, guess I just remember injuries. I, I that, mean, I think he has little injuries pop up, but I think these days they all the pitchers do because all their arms aren't tough but enough. Just stop telling but me like, they babied him at the beginning, and like at the end, they have a World Series. So, like, I look at that in some sense as winning. I don't see a season here where he pitched less than 22 games. He has all stars and Cy Young voting through that stretch. They didn't finish worse than second in the division. I just, that was a solid stretch for them. And I, I get like, they weren't getting over the hump of like winning in the, in the playoffs. I, that, you know, like, that that's the any kind of mediocre you want to talk about that that was what they were having but they were still like competing so i, I don't know maybe and maybe i'm just 
remembering the injuries worse than they were. I do hate the Nationals. I'm not sure if you remember that <sighs> point either. That's true. <laughs> That's fair. And them winning whatever money from the Orioles, like, I know you said, well, no, they're, the Orioles are having to pay them $150 million. Yeah, but that's like that only solves through like 2016 or something. Then they're going to argue from 16 to now. Like that, that's already out there. Like it solved nothing. I also vehemently believe the message I sent you when you told me that. And I was like, I will believe we paid them $150 million when I see that check is cashed because we'll just go over to his office and and see. Yeah, he'll show you the records. He'll invite you right in. And then when you get there, you know, it'll be a bad time. And, uh, you know, (laughs) well, how could you do it on this day? How could you do it on the one day I had a press conference <laughs> for the, like the last five years? I've been, I haven't ever had a press conference as I've taken over the team and my father never had press conferences for like 20 years. But the one day I make a public appearance, how dare you question me on this day? It's almost like I picked this day intentionally. I give you no other chances, but how could you do it? How could you hold me accountable for my actions? Um, yeah. Uh, I do not like that family either. Sports? Look, I love sports. And I try, as I've gotten older, I have tried to be less of a fan and more of a human. But sometimes they make it really hard. Sometimes when the Angelos family runs your team, you develop a hatred for a family you've never even met. I have met zero of the Angelos family. But if I met someone and they told me, oh, my name's from Angelos and I live in the Maryland area, I'm going to be like, well, you're probably a jerk and I don't want to know you. <laughs> I don't even, they don't even tell me they're actually related to the ownership group. It, just knowing their last name is Angelos and they live, well, either in Maryland or Nashville, because apparently some of them live in Nashville, I'm going to immediately go, jerk. I don't want to know them. And I'll be honest, if your last name's Angelos, I might not want to know you in general just because you're going to remind me of them. And I just don't like Peter Angelos or his entire family. I, I, I've i never even known you to date a girl named Angela or anything. So, it, I mean, I, I think... That's also true. That's an interesting yeah. point. Well, I mean, I guess time will tell. I don't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully I won't ever have to. Um, because that... <laughs> That now that you've said that, anytime I meet someone named Angela, Angela's also going to become associated with the Angela's family. I'm gonna be like, well, probably don't want to know you. <laughs> um, and even if she was like, oh, I'm an Orioles fan, I'm be like, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> Not really. But then, then when it comes to supporting the team, they don't want to do it. Oh, my checkbook. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> but there, there's another sports information story we should talk about. I sent it to you and you didn't, again, didn't reply to it. I'm assuming that's because you wanted to talk about it on the podcast. This was a while ago. I talked to you for an hour a week. What more do I need to do? I don't need My phone's off. I have your problem tonight. Good. My phone dead. Um, This was the, uh, and I believe this was the Qatari uh, wealth fund, not the Saudi wealth fund, that is investing in... It is. Qatar is buying a stake in Washington teams, the Wizards and the Capitals, and I guess the WNBA team, uh, the Mystics. The, uh, because they're buying into that monumental sports group, which owns those teams. 
And um, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Um, I think this opens up Pandora's box. I know Adam Silver had already said he's going to allow wealth fund or oversee investors into the league. Uh, he had already said that, and I guess this is what he was alluding to. I think this is the start of that. I think um, you're not going to see what we see in like Premier League soccer when this happens or European soccer when this happens, which is just they that club all of a sudden gets a windfall of cash and starts spending like crazy. Um, and then financial fair play rules somehow get violated, but nothing ever happens. Um, there are salary caps, and I don't think we'll see that change because the rest of the owners aren't going to change that. Um, but I don't like that from the stance of, I don't like these people being involved at all. We obviously came out very strongly against golf doing it. Um, I don't want to see our other sports get infected by it. I think the NBA might be the first, but they will not be the last. I think major league baseball will start doing this. I think the NFL will start doing this. Um, the NHL might not because they might not know hockey exists. I don't know. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I just don't like this at all. I hate every bit of it, especially that it's teams I typically root for. I have no argument for me on this. I probably, I, I did see your link. I didn't read it, so I don't have a whole lot. Of it, <laughs> so, uh, I, so in, I didn't read it in Too opposition. Long, what read. you just said, because I do think we might take next week off. Oh. What uh, what are you doing for the fourth? What what's your I big uh, Independence Day plans? What's what's Joe's musts on July fourth? I don't know. We'll see. I've had certain years where I try to hit as many cookouts as I can. I've had years, especially with the kids around, seeing like how many pools I could try to hit. Um, we have a little bit of a change up with our with our Independence Day celebrations this year. I think some people are going to come to our house midday, and that'll be cool. Uh, but we'll still get some fireworks in in the evening. So I don't know. I Seeing the fireworks is always the priority. So Well, that's if your neighbor's horses aren't scared. Um, well, uh, we will go to town and watch the uh, public display from the Gypsy Hill Park area uh, like we always do. That wasn't a 4th of July celebration uh, when, when I had it more uh, local show it was close but it wasn't that night i still think there might be one uh very local at, on one of the nights so oh well. we'll be out there watching and then see what happens yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see if that happens um yeah and then if so i mean you can always tell your neighbor like their horses aren't scared of the fireworks they just hate freedom um but <laughs> <laughs> um no i enjoy the holiday uh, it's just We'll see. I'm sure I'll end up at at least one cookout uh, over the weekend. Um, but the midweek of it hurts. The hurts midweek it. does it's, hurt. It's it. That's when I say yeah. I don't know. It's just because I know it's in the middle of the week, and I'm just like, it's going to be a to do. Like, I'm it, taking Monday off. So yeah, I don't know if I will do that. Um, but we'll see what happens. I might go find a, a body of water to put a you know a flotation with a hundred horsepower motor behind it out on or something like that. Well, just don't, you know, go into the ocean and look for the Titanic. Always, always key. Always key. Nothing good seems to happen in that, that part of the world, huh? All right. Well, 
250 was good. I don't know. Was it? Okay. Do we got another 250 in us? I don't know. <laughs> that was episode 250. Uh, so as Leland said, we may or may not be on next week. It sounds like Leland is voting no. So uh, we might not be on next week. We'll, but if you subscribe, hey, you'll know. Pray for good sports news for us to want to talk about next week. I'll probably want to talk about something. I'm already ready to talk about Batman villains, as I alluded to. So, um, but I don't this think that's going to draw Leland. This is the Yak Comic Book Podcast here. So, your Augusta County Comics. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what yak stands for right um but yeah you're to comics let us know uh any other just for fun topics it can be uh movie tv shows we'll talk about i mean there's going to be a music one here eventually maybe we'll look at some uniforms again um the lion's new helmets came out we didn't talk about that this week we'll save that for later um or i guess the lion's alternate helmets not their new helmets but until then, folks. I saw someone that paired it with the Food Line logo. I appreciated that. Honestly, <laughs> they would get sued, but that wouldn't be a bad idea, except for the getting sued part. Like, and honestly, if you're Food Lion, I would, if the Detroit Lions said we want to put your logo on our helmets, just don't sue us. If I'm Food Lion, I'm letting that happen. That's free advertising. <laughs> so I don't know. Have like an MVP card hanging off of them. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think they need to explore that because that's a cool looking lion. Um, it's cooler than the one I think they picked, which is from like the fifties, I guess. Uh, but throwback. Anyway, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the X Word Podcast. Subscribe to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, so you never miss another episode whenever we put it up. You can follow us at Yak Sports Pod. That's Y A C Sports Pod, or you can find us on Facebook, searching the same thing. Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Tell us your ideas uh, for other episodes. What do you think about anything that we said on this podcast in terms of soccer? Is the men's team going to be fine with Greg Berhalter? Uh, am I overreacting to our 1-1 draw against Jamaica, which made me have flashbacks of missing the World Cup? Or Is he even coaching anybody? He's not. He's not coaching yeah. in this thing, which is disappointing. It's our B team. Um, but again, to my point, our B team sucks and I never want to see the B team play in the World Cup, um, which they will because we're growing MLS because that should be the chief concern of the men's national team. Um, that's for another week because otherwise I'll get really distracted. The Women's World Cup is coming up. We will be talking about that, <laughs> but that's later in July. Uh Stay tuned to us all summer long. We'll have just for fun topics. We'll keep talking about different aspects of the football schedule. So Leland keeps doing these episodes. Uh, maybe I'll tell him if he skips next week, <laughs> we have to skip a week of football then. And uh, he'll. That is skipping a week of football. Yeah. No, no, no. If we, if we don't do, <laughs> if we don't, there has to be one episode where we don't talk about it. So if you skip for the July, then that means the next week we can't talk about it either. Maybe that'll get him to do a for the July episode. Um, until then folks, we hope you enjoyed the exports podcast. Have a good week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.